I feel like Jay Leno, like I have to start talking just to get you to stop. You are raucous. You are over-the-top raucous. Anyway, don't you just love Jarrett and Jeannie? Aren't they just the best? I just love them, and they are very good friends of mine. And, and you know, the, the church, Soul City Church, really catapulted to the top of the list of our partner churches when you did that chair thing. That was huge. Who does that? Who thinks that creatively, right? Oh, my gosh. Just uh, over, overwhelmed by uh, your service to us. And we count on uh, what you do with us because uh, Breakthrough is just uh, a movement of the body of Christ. So we're going we're gonna to talk more about that. Um, let me just start with a word of prayer, okay? Oh, God, it's not about me, that's for sure. Because I can just kind of fumble around and, and not make any sense, even to myself. But wow, when your Holy Spirit takes over, the powerful ways that you can communicate to us and through us is just awesome. So I'm asking you to do that tonight, just to anoint this time that we have together. Make it memorable, God. Take my words somehow, let my words be your words, and then just sink them deep into our hearts and minds and wills and Transform us. I thank you for that theme of transformation. We want to be better, God. We want to be holy what you've created us to be. And so we are coming to you. We're sitting at your feet. We're asking you for your mercy and your help in this time. Amen. Okay, well, this might sound, some of you might be able to relate to this. Maybe not. I don't know. How am I doing with that clanging again? See, I have this earring problem. Jeannie, I don't, where's Jeannie? I don't know how she does it with earrings every, it, it clangs. And I, I've tried different earrings and, you know, eventually I have to make the decision, do you want to look good or sound good? Just get rid of them. Thank you. Anyway, I want to read this story. See if you can relate to this. His face was flushed, his body at full throttle. Sweat poured from his forehead. Every nerve was alive and on edge as he pushed his mind and body to its ultimate capabilities. He lost all track of time. Nothing else mattered. He had conquered cities and lands, had overcome insurmountable obstacles, and this would be his crowning achievement for the day. Nothing would stop him. He and his allies were pushing forward with unstoppable force. Together they would reach the next level before he would allow himself to eat or sleep. Finally, after hours of unrelenting effort, they did it. And he sank into the couch, exhausted, but strangely happy. He had worked hard. He knew they could do it, and they had. The hard work was exhilarating. The accomplishment felt wonderful. He rolled about in fitful sleep, dreaming of beating down doors, scaling walls, escaping harrowing onslaughts from the enemy, until his iPhone chirped at 7 a.m., and he rolled out of bed feeling like he could sleep all day. Ugh, it was Monday. He showered and headed out the door, dreading another boring day in his work cubicle. He grabbed a cup of coffee and a donut at the train stop and shuffled onto the train along with a horde of others starting the week. His shoulders slumped, 
His muscles sagged as he dragged himself through the street. He would spend his day perusing and editing documents that would make his rich bosses richer. At least he earned a paycheck that paid his bills, but he lived for the evenings and the weekends when he could sign online to the challenging quests of the virtual kingdom of Azeroth. That's what gave him energy. That's what enraptured him. That's what kept him captivated. That's what he looked forward to with eager anticipation. I, you know, nothing against a good game, right? I love games. I have my iPhone, and I like that little uh, motorcycle thing, you know, where you, you're the biker, and you, you careen in between cars, and, you know, we got Brick Breaker. My, I think most of us play games. 117 million Americans play games, or people. Could it be American? I better check that fact. 117 million game players. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> 111 million people watched the last Super Bowl. Isn't that crazy? We all love a good game. We love to see Corver hit that three-pointer from the outside, right? And we cheer. We, we, we love it. When, it. You know, I wonder why that is. Why is it? You think it might be because we all somewhere know we're supposed to be heroes. We know we're supposed to be great. We know we're supposed to be challenged, to work hard, to take on a task that stretches every ability that we have, that brings everything together for us. We're, 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 we're focused and we're intent, and we gather allies from people that have the same mission in mind, and we, and we come together and we work together, and we, and, and we do something that's huge, that's bigger than all of us, that, that exhausts us but exhilarates us, that, that captures our imagination and our creativity and calls out our very best. We want to power up. We want to find ways to do better, to be more. We can do better. We know it. And we're just going to keep trying. And we're optimistic. And we want to keep trying when we fall down. Don't we all want that kind of a life, like a real life? The epic adventure of real life? We want to be excited about our lives. Well, Jesus taught us how to play the game. God created a world characterized by well-being for all, and then he sent Jesus to die because something had broken in it. And Jesus showed us how to get in the game by the priorities he set and the way that he lived. There's an example, there's a, there's a little story in Scripture about these two guys, James and John. James and John were friends of Jesus. He actually chose them to be kind of his closest friends. And uh, he, he gave him a nickname. He called them Sons of Thunder. <laughs> so you know they had loud personalities. When they walked in the room, you know, Jesus picked these guys to be his friend who were dynamic individuals. They, they, were, they were thunderous in the way they lived their lives in a loud kind of way. Well, they were so passionate about, about Jesus and about following Jesus that they came to Jesus one day. Well, in fact... There's kind of two different scenarios in Scripture, so sometimes you have to compare the verses because one will kind of bring a, a little uh, more clarity to the other. So in Mark, it says that James and John came to Jesus and asked him a question, and in Matthew, it's Mark 10.35, it's, it's James and John, and in Matthew 20, it's their mother. Oh, <laughs> the Jewish mother comes to Jesus my boys, I want for my boys, for them to be really special. 
I want them to be really honored. I want them to be heroes. I want them to be great. And so she says, Jesus, and uh, James and John in, in Mark 10, they say to Jesus, will you give us whatever we ask? Well, Jesus taught them that he would. Ask whatever you will. Believe with the faith of a mustard seed. You can move mountains. Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. And so they're being really, really brave in their request. And they say, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand. We want to be somebody. Well, it's interesting that Jesus does not criticize them, criticize them for wanting to be great. He doesn't put that down. He doesn't dismiss it. He just turns the tables on what it means to be great. And this is what he says. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be great? Be a servant. Wow. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's a paradigm shift for most of us. And yet, I believe that it's in that place of service where you find your greatest adventure, where you find the true meaning of life. You participate in this epic adventure of God redeeming the world. God so loved the world that God sent his son, Jesus, to redeem the world. And Jesus says, I'm going to go and be with my father, but you know what? You're going to do greater things than I've done. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it says, and this is an interesting verse. This is in Ephesians 1. It says, uh, I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us followers. It's the same wonderful power he used when he raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that amazing? That same power is at work in us. He will give your mortal bodies the same spirit living within you, just as God raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, Philippians 3.10. Those are all verses in Scripture saying, you know what? I want you now to carry out the mission of Jesus on earth. And what was that mission? The first words Jesus says publicly, he declares his mission statement. He picks up the scroll, and he turns it to Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he anoints me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, and release to the oppressed. That was Jesus' mission. Amazing, right? He comes to a borrowed barn, is born in a borrowed barn, is, is buried in a, in a borrowed tomb, he lives a life of frugality, of, 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 of simplicity. He comes alongside people who are broken and are downcast. He, he, he gets so involved with alcoholics and overeaters that they call him a drunkard and a glutton. He lets a woman with a bad reputation wash his feet with her hair. He touches the lepers. He heals people. He's surrounded by the broken, the downcast, the marginalized, and he feeds them. Amazing, amazing. And then there comes this 
beautiful story that we hear about from John 13. And you can put that scripture up. It's also on page 993 in these beautiful blue Bibles. Do you have them there somewhere? You have blue Bibles? Yeah, okay. Well, you can look on the screen, but just to let you know, it's in here, okay? This is what it says in John 13, 3 through 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. See, I like that because, you know, those of us who speak, preach, whatever you want to call it, Angie, preach. Women preach, by the way. Um, they're, they're, we love these, like, three-pointers, okay, where it says that Jesus knew who he was. The Father had put all things under his feet. He knew his identity. He, had a, he knew his gamer identity. He knew who he was in the game, all right? He picked that, you know, my grandson, he goes through the Mario things, and you take the hat off, and put the, you know, or you get these swords or whatever it is that they do, you know. It, it, but, but Jesus knew who he was, knew why he was on earth, knew what it, was, what it was about that he was to do. He says he knew the Father had put all things under his feet. Secondly, he knew he had come from God. He knew where he was coming from. And third, he knew where he was going. He was returning to God. He knew who he was. He knew where he was coming from. He knew where he was going. Wow. Do you have that kind of security? You know, I know who I am. I know where I'm coming from, and I know where I'm going. It's not always that clear, is it? And so sometimes we take the zigzag route. You know, we, we go for one thing, and then we find out, oh, it's really over here. But you know, you can't, you can't really move a, a ship in the water when it's not moving. You can't turn it, right? So you get moving. You, you go to the next thing, and, and you find out what that is, and you find your zigzag path. Jesus was secure. He knew where he was coming from. Do you know where you're coming from? Do you know your identity? Do you know where you're going? Well, for me, I... Uh, I really didn't know. I was a, a mom. My daughter, Terry, is here. <laughs> I got to call you out, Terry. This is so funny. My kids, she, you know, they, she was three, right? She was three when, she, when we moved to Chicago. And, uh, you know, I'm from the farm in Iowa, so I'm kind of naive about city stuff. And so when they were, like, adolescents, maybe junior high-ish or so, she and Monica, my other daughter, uh, were, taught me how to say goodbye in, you know, in sign language when I sent them off to school. So I'd you know, drive them to their little school, and I'd say goodbye. What I didn't know was I was throwing up the Latin king crown. <laughs> That's the dilemma of raising kids in the city. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. I knew I, I had a passion in college to work with uh, kids who were, you know, struggling. And so I went to work, work with Youth for Christ with their juvenile justice mission and burned out. Oh, my goodness. 
you start working with you know kids in trouble or anybody who's got difficulties and you learn you got to set your boundaries and you learn it's not about just you and what you do but you really need to be part of a team where you're sharing the burden learned a lot of lessons there then uh, uh, was part of a church on the north side and, and this was about 20 years ago and we saw street people coming in the church wanting help and I thought, well, I have time when the kids were throwing up the crown and I out of you know, the house. And, and so I opened up a storefront room and I started serving coffee. And the room started filling up with, I thought we'd have moms from the neighborhood, but it was homeless people. That's who God brought to me. So <clears throat> Jarrett and I thought I should have a, a towel to show Jesus picking up the towel. So we went upstairs and... There was no white towel. <laughs> and then I said, well, we should have green because that's the Soul City color. And there was no clean green towel. But what we found was this polka dot towel. And I like it because it's the adventure of life, right? It's the epic adventure. Plus, it's a good sweat, you know, sermon sweat wiper. But for me, picking up the towel was such a very simple, basic thing, okay? It was putting on a pot of coffee and opening up a storefront room and just hanging out with street people. Oh, the stories they told me broke my heart, but I loved them. And I found out that some of them with a little help could get jobs in apartments. Some of them just needed to be loved in their condition. They had nobody, they were isolated. And, and so one thing led to another and we started cleaning the streets and hiring people. And then we opened a shelter on the church gymnasium floor. And, until now we have this organization called Breakthrough, it blows me away, blows me away. But it all started with this little towel thing, a cup of coffee. That's how it starts. So what is it for you? What, what is, what's your passion? What breaks your heart? What makes your blood boil? What is it that moves you? Because, see, I think God wires all of us. Well, it's in the Bible. It's not just me saying this. I think stuff. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For grace, for by faith, oh boy, for. <laughs> through, by grace you're saved through faith. Okay, I wasn't going to say those two verses, so they're not in my head. And then it says this, uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, created in advance for us to do, prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. So when I was a kid, I memorized those other two, but I forgot number verse 10, that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. This isn't legalism. This isn't someone taking a club over your head saying, serve, serve. This is you finding your life. This is you finding who you were created to be. This is you coming into your niche, into your sweet spot. Now, don't quit your jobs. I always have people say, you know, I really want to serve, but I have this. Great, work, make a lot of money. Some of you should make a lot of money and give it to the kingdom. Don't we, Angie's in ministry, we need people who work really hard, make a lot of money, and give it to the kingdom. It's the best thing you can do for the kingdom, all right? Seriously. And, and, so, and we love those people that that's the way they serve. Others of you, you know, maybe you care about sex trafficking. Well, then there's International Justice Mission. Maybe you care about young women who are pregnant with unplanned pregnancies. 
and you want to join up with Angie and Karis. Now, with Breakthrough, we have a multitude of things that could strike your passion. We even have a garden, all right, for you, us farmers. We have, we have farming. We have, uh, there's always needs for IT. We need all kinds of volunteers, leadership kinds of volunteers. We're opening a thrift store in Arlington Heights uh, that someone else is going to run, thank God, but we have to provide stuff and volunteers. And, you know, there's just a myriad of things. But let me just give you an idea. Uh, I'm going to just, hopefully, if I can keep on track, I want to tell you four vignettes about experiences that I've had just in the last couple months at Breakthrough that I think, first of all, will give you an idea of what it is that we do, but also the impact that this little act of starting to serve coffee in a storefront room and what's happening now. And just so I don't forget it, it's not me, okay? It's not me doing all this stuff. I just do what I do, and God has created a movement of people, just like Soul City Church is a movement of people. And Jarrett and Jeannie do what they do because they, they do it with all their hearts, don't they? They're in their niche. They're in their sweet spot. They're doing, they're, you know, I bet they're, they wake up in the middle of the night with ideas of things they want to do. That's when you know you've got it. You found that thing. But Soul City isn't them. It's all of us. All of us together. Breakthrough is all of us together. It's a movement. So May 20th, we had an awards night at Breakthrough. And as Jared mentioned, we start early now with preschoolers because we found you got to go up the river, find out how people are getting tossed in that river and they're drowning when they come down, right? you got to go up the river, make sense, let's find out. And when you do, you find out that we've got preschoolers, three- and four-year-olds, full of ambition for their lives and goals and desires, things they want to accomplish and, and dreams. And by the time they're about 10 or 11, in about the third grade, and I've seen it, they give up. They give up because there's nothing on the horizon for them. There's no opportunities. The schools are underperforming. I was going to say a bad word there for a minute. <laughs> Let's just say they're underperforming. So, for instance, by the time a kid gets to be a junior in high school, and this was uh, in 2008, I got to get more relevant data because it, it might be changing some. It was a nine, I think. Um, they, the reading scores were at 5.5% for the juniors. 5.5% were reading at their grade level. 3.5% were at their grade level in math and science. And these are kids who are, are going to graduate because they're juniors, right? So the reading scores in the grammar schools are all in like in about the 20 percentile, somewhere in there. And so what we found out is the preschoolers, when they go through our program and they take the kindergarten readiness test, they'll test it in the 70, 72 percentile around, around there somewhere. If they didn't go through our preschool, they'll test at 17%. See, 17, 20, 5 and a half. It, it, it's just, and so they, they just, they, they give up. They're not getting an education that's going to provide a living wage. So all that to, to say, and, and let me just say this, tell you this. I live uh, 10 minutes down the Madison Avenue bus. I just took the bus here this morning uh, and tonight. I have to walk by... Uh, to get to the bus at home in Madison from up where I live, which is just a few blocks north, I walk by a grocery store where last summer seven of our guys were shot, 
um, no, none were killed, but one who had a basketball scholarship, his femur was shattered. Uh, then I go to this bus stop where uh, I, at, at Madison Holman, where I'm sitting there this morning, I'm going, oh yeah, this is where that single mom, you know, with three kids was shot and killed last summer, you know. And so you, you've got these memories along the way. And, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a tough place for kids to grow up. So I'm at this um, awards night, and the kids are, are so excited to be there, and they're running up, and they're, they're getting their awards, and the, the parents are there with their uh, cameras, and everybody's hooting and hollering, and they're getting these nice trophies, and, and they had all their artwork displayed and everything, and it was just beautiful. And, uh, and then the, the preschoolers all stood up in a line, and they started singing, I am a promise, I'm a possibility, and I just lost it. It was one of those times I was supposed to get up at the end and talk, and I couldn't. I was overwhelmed. It, it, there's so much we can do with the arts, with sports, with, with after-school tutoring and education, and there's so much we can do when we, pull, we pick up the towel and we serve. Then uh, last Saturday, we had our awards, I mean, uh, we had our presentation from some of our students who went to Africa. So they raised money to sponsor kids who are uh, connected with World Vision in South Africa. And they came and told their stories. And I'm hearing things like, you know what? I felt so powerful when I went over there. They, these are kids who grew up in our neighborhood. They're, they're treating us like kings and queens. And I realized, you know, I have four school uniforms. And kids over there will go for, without food for days just to have one school uniform. I'm so rich. I'm so powerful. And I was moved again, just moved by what we can do to build opportunity, to make connections, to broaden the horizons for the kids in our neighborhood. Then uh, last night, I, I you know, was getting ready for my message. My car got, to not totaled, it's in the shop since July 1st with that hail damage. So hail struck our neighborhood with a vengeance. All of us lost our cars. So lots of them were totaled. Mine almost was, but they're fixing it. So I don't have a car right now. So. So I'm, but I live right by the shelters. I'm kind of in between them. And, and so I walked over to, to copy my notes uh, at, at the office. And I'm walking down the street. And I'm telling you, it's crazy. Just crazy. It's like 11 o'clock at night. The, the cars are booming, you know, just that bass beat booming, booming, booming. <laughs> the windows shake. And I'm, I mean, everybody's out there on the street. I mean, the sidewalks are so cracked and messed up. And, and you know, people walk in the middle of the street. And it's like everybody's out there. And, and you know, girls are hanging out the windows with their, you know, their short shorts. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I'm going, and I'm dragging back my little suitcase of stuff. And, and, and I, and I, but in my mind, I remember the night before, Friday night, when we had home court. And there was this festival going on. It was a beautiful mixture of people from within the community and outside the community. Probably about 300 families, or not family, people. 300 hot dogs we let go of at that event. That's all I know. 300 hot dogs. And, you know, and, they're, and, and we're grilling, and we're playing uh, basketball, you know, and, they're, and those, they're intent, intense about basketball. I mean, we've got the referees with the stripes and everything, and I mean, these kids are up there, they're, they mean business, and they're out there playing, and we call it home court. We kind of just take over that little, you know, play lot area, and we, and we, and my daughter was there, she says, uh, uh, do there, are there fights here? I'm like, no, because you can, you can feel a piece of God in that place. 
and the kids are doing little artwork projects, and the, the, you know, the, there's a, as my granddaughter calls it, the jumpy jumps. You know, the jumpy jumps are there, and it's, it's just glorious. Food, family. There's a sense of, we can do that. We can do that across the city, but we have to do it together. It's not me lugging my little suitcase by the, you know, subwoofers. <laughs> it's all of us together. We really can. We can make a huge difference. And then I went to our women's center, which is just a couple blocks in the other direction, because I wanted to get this story. Um, uh, last week we had, I'm, Angie and I are in a right, I'm, Angie, I keep calling you out because we're just good buddies, right? Um, we're in a writer's group, so we're writing books. Angie's writing a book, and I just finished one and working on another one, and, and so we're in a writer's group. And some of the women from our writer's group wanted to come in and do a group with the women in our shelter. So I thought, that's fabulous, and so they did that. And we had a turnout, we had 13 women come in. And we're sitting around the table, you know, with us and the staff member. They're like 20, 22 or so, sitting around this big, you know, table. And, and we're just talking about ourselves and everybody, you know, I, I, they knew I was the executive director, so they felt honored, I guess, that I was part of this group. And so as they went around and, and introduced themselves, every single one of them talked about, I mean, it was so moving how much they appreciated Breakthrough and that they felt the presence of God there the moment they walked in. And there were stories, stories of, you know, a woman and, and her uh, husband who slept in the woods in, near Gary, Indiana in February. She was sleeping in the woods. And, and a woman who just was $20 short from being evicted and couldn't get that $20. And so she's out on the street. She says, you know, I, I know now God didn't want me to have that $20 because I'm supposed to be here. And there was camaraderie among, amongst the women and a sense of love. And then we took about 15 minutes to do a project, and we were supposed to write about beauty and brokenness and brokenness and beauty. And afterwards, anybody who wanted to share could share, so Grace shot her hand up right away. And last night I went over, I said, Grace, can I get a copy of what you wrote because I, I want to share it tomorrow. And she says, yeah, it's, in fact, it's called Survival by God's Grace. And she wrote this. I'm so scared, Lord. How did I get here? Please wipe out my transgressions. I trust in you. The sound of amazing grace comes from the trunk of a car parked behind an abandoned building in a drug-infested part of town. But wait, fear, overwhelming terror, returns to the, rap, to the raped, naked, bleeding, shivering woman as she lays on a urine-pooled tarp, as she goes in and out of shock, Lord Jesus, I pray, have mercy on me. Complete panic and shock. Her mind drifts to Daniel in the lion's den. The Lord our God protected him and kept him safe. The Lord was with him and delivered him. Yes, the woman thinks, yes. And then the panic returns. She goes on to describe being placed in a trunk for three days without food and water in that condition. And I still don't know exactly how, but someone drove that car to break through. And she said, when the trunk opened, somebody was coming out of the front door of breakthrough with a glass of water. 
She said, I was so dehydrated. I was so thirsty. And then she looked at me and she said, and you gave me a glass of water and you didn't even know it. Oh. I don't know how, how I can just even breathe these days. That is powerful stuff. It wasn't me. I didn't give her a glass of water. It was all of us together. All of us who support works like Breakthrough. Because somewhere, there's someone in some dark coffin, fearing death, afraid for their lives, alone, waiting for that cup of cold water. And Jesus, Jesus says, I love the world so much that I'm going to redeem it, and I'm going to use you. And that's the epic adventure that we're called to, to find our place, to find the thing that moves us, that calls us, and to be all that we can be. Use every bit of power you have, but not for yourself, for others. You take up the towel. There's a statue of Jesus outside of a church in England, and it was destroyed in World War II. And uh, the, the statue had its hands outstretched in an attitude of invitation, and the words carved on a pedestal that read, Come to me. And so this statue was, was destroyed, and, and the uh, artists and sculptors tried to put it back together, but they could not find enough of the hands to, rec to, to put the ha man the hands. And they thought about recreating it, and the people said, the people of the town said, no, let's, let's, leave, let's leave the statue of Jesus without hands. And they, they put underneath the, on the pedestal the, these words, Christ has no hands but ours. Teresa of Avila wrote, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion looks out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good, and yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. That's it. We're it, folks. So what's your place in that game? What's your role? What moves you? Will you, will you take up the towel? Will you join Jesus in the epic adventure of life? And when you lose your life, Jesus said, you'll find it. Amazing. But it's true. Holy God, I thank you so much for this place. This is your vision we know this is, this is your ministry. You've, some, when we do the work that you called us to do, we're just so carried by it. It's really you. It's your spirit. And we just get to participate with you and your, your good works. So I thank you for this space, this place. I thank you for this movement of people who have come together to serve, to, to find their, their ministry niche, to be all that they can be for the sake of your kingdom. And God, I thank you for all of those 
who are providing that cup of cold water for people like Grace, who are dehydrated, who are thirsty, who are standing in need. So God, let us, let us uh, think even this week of new ways that we can serve and get even better and better and better at serving. Amen. Let me just finish with this little quote from one of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning. He says this, May all your expectations be frustrated. May all of your plans be thwarted. May all of your desires be withered into nothingness, that you may experience the powerlessness and poverty of a child and can sing and dance in the love of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.